Hello, this is Pastor Matthew Steinfeld of the International Church of Vilnius. And as we are under the restrictions and recommendations of the Lithuanian government not to meet corporately, we bring you this audio version of our Sunday service. And as you probably are quarantined or in your homes avoiding the crowds, uh, we pray that this is a blessing to you and offers you the opportunity to worship this morning. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we confess that we often don't trust you, that we often stray from your commands, and we often live in ways that are not like Christ. Lord, we confess, we repent from our sins, and we, we look to the hope that's in Christ. We pray that, that you would continually forgive us through Christ, and we thank you for your grace. God, we pray at this time that you would protect us, that you would protect our families and our cities, our governments as we face this epidemic. I pray that you would give us great courage and boldness in the midst of uncertainty and fear and sometimes panic. I pray, God, that, that we would see the opportunities that we have as Christians to live out lives of service and, and encouragement and compassion. Please bless this service. Please bless the families listening. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Romans 8, verses 22 to 32. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The Apostle Paul in Romans 8, a couple verses before our scriptural reading this morning, speaks about the world being subjected to futility. That this life often appears to be futile. In other words, empty or lacking purpose. Oftentimes, as we experience pain, 
Uh, it's easy to think the same way, to think that there is no purpose, that that everything that we're experiencing is is an accident and all the things in our life that, that, that may cause us pain or cause us to question what we believe might just seem to be an accident. And yet Paul says in this exact same passage that the purpose, the purpose of the world being subjected to futility, or I guess you could say theologically subjected to sin, the purpose of this is hope and that it's counterintuitive that the very things in our lives that cause us to lose hope or to question our purpose are the very things that we've been subjected to by God in order to bring us hope. So in the midst of circumstances like the coronavirus or, or an epidemic or the shutdown of the chains of supply, we can look to this as believers as an opportunity. And verse 22 starts out by saying that, that creation groans in the pains of childbirth. That all of creation, it moans jointly in the birth pangs together, waiting even to this point. That there's something that the creation, it's given, it's given the properties of man. It's given the ability to think in this example. But Paul says the world knows what the world should be like. And so there's this, there's this desperation that the world become what it is truly to be. And Paul relates this to the gospel. Verse 23, he says, it's not just the creation, but it's also us. We, we long for adoption in the first century, especially in the Roman context. Many of the Caesars were adopted. They were adopted by, by family members in order to become the Caesar themselves. And this was often because they feared political uh, adversaries and whatnot. And so they wanted to be able to pick the person that they could trust. And so that they would adopt someone, often with no uh, expectations of being Caesar. An incredible amount of prestige and value and inheritance upon whoever is adopted. That's the imagery here. But it's not just the roles or the titles that were given, but... The believer is waiting for the redemption of their body. In other words, repurchased or literally to, be have, to have a ransom payment. To have our bodies that have been corrupted by sin bought back by what God has done. And Paul mentions the first fruits that, that those who are from the beginning, those who have had the spirit from the beginning, the first believers, the early believers. He says in verse 23, but we ourselves who, are, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions of sons, the redemptions of our body. He continues in 24. For in this hope we are saved. Our hope in the gospel of Jesus brings about this redemption. It brings about our adoption as sons. But our hope saves us. Our hope in this redemption. And he mentions in verse 24 that hope... Seeing hope, things that you see, is not necessarily hope. That that's actually proof. And so, anything that we hope in that we see is an actual hope. Paul speaks about this in other passages, uh, particularly 2 Timothy 2.18, where he's arguing against people who said that the resurrection has already happened. 
that the things that God has promised through Christ have already happened. And, and Paul says that it ruins their faith because it's very, very easy to believe in something that one knows or feels or experiences. But in the midst of trying experiences and pain and suffering, which Paul knows about, and the people in the Roman church as well, it's in the uncertainty that hope and faith become strong. So, in verse 26, there's a remedy for this. There's a remedy for this experience of uncertainty and feeling that there is a lack of purpose. He says the Spirit helps us. The Spirit of Christ. Verse 26, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. If you're like me, sometimes I find myself praying and I'm not really sure what to say. I may be feeling something strongly or have some thoughts or concerns on my mind, but I don't necessarily know how to express it. Paul says that the Spirit groans on our behalf. In the same way that the creation groans for the redemption of the world, in the same way that we may groan for ourselves and our hearts, for our own redemption. It says the Spirit intercedes for us in words that are beyond expression. This word intercedes literally means He comes in line with God. He comes in line with God because we can't. And that's therefore what the need for the intercession is, is that He comes in line with God. He is on the same page as with God. He understands what God desires. He understands what it takes to be holy in the sight of a holy God. And so the Spirit of Christ, based on the life and death and resurrection of Christ, is imperfectly in tune with God, and that is the same person that is interceding for you. And not only is He in line with God, but He's in line with you. He knows exactly what you feel. He knows exactly what you need. And it's those requests that oftentimes we can't put into words are spoken in words that are beyond expression by the Spirit of Christ. You see, because the Spirit of Christ, He examines, verse 27 says, He examines our thoughts. He searches our aspirations. He knows what our desires are. He knows what our needs are. And He knows what's best for us. And He relays this message. And verse 27 says that this is a God-planned system. It's His will, the text says. That this whole planned system of a world that's often under futile circumstances, that seems empty, that seems purposeless, that seems like it's a waste of time oftentimes. We're going through the motions, our work, our lives, our ups and downs. That the assurance comes for the Christian because it's God-planned. God has subjected this world to futility in order to lead us to Him, in order to lead us to hope. And those who have faith in Christ have the Spirit that moves in them to bring about this will of God. Now, in verse 28, it says that God's working for your good according to His purpose. It's literally like a synergy that all things are working together for His purposes. That His purposes is directly tied to the good of the believer. Notice that this does not say everything will be good. 
It doesn't say that everything is going to be nice and everything is going to go as according to your plan, but rather that all things are working together for your good and for the purpose of God. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That means that His purposes or His plan is something that He has already decided. It's already something that He has knowledge of because He has determined it to be. And that is that all faithful believers that are in Christ be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That His Son might be the firstborn among many brothers. That He's the first one to come out of the dead. The first one to come from resurrection in the Spirit to live a life that's honoring to God based on what He's done on the cross and in this world. That too, because He is the firstborn, that, that we are born into Christ with our faith, with our hope in Him. In the same way that the creation is waiting for the childbirth of the sons of God and, and the, the things in the world to be made new that we, like Him, become like Him in our faith. And God planned this. God planned Jesus through Abraham and the Jews. As we look to, through the Old Testament, we see this line of people that follow through this chosen person, Abraham, who had literally no reason to be chosen. And yet it says that God foreknew what was going to come through him in this promise. God foreknew that through Abraham and through the Jews and through Christ and ultimately now through the church that his purpose would come about. And this idea of foreknowledge is literally meaning that he set the boundaries, that he set the boundaries before creation. And what's interesting is that this points back to verse 22, that the earth is given this man-made feeling of expression that, that it knows what God wants in the world. And yet it's often us who don't see that. It's often us that don't experience that there is a purpose, that there is hope. And yet the creation, the world itself is groaning for this to come about. All of these things that God has planned in advance for us to experience and to live and to choose and make choices in the midst of those events to lead us to hope in Him. And the result is that the church would be like Christ. Literally His form, His image. Going back to Genesis, that we were created in His image to be like Him. As we move towards Him in hope in the midst of what we face, we are actually moving back to what it was like in Eden. Ultimately waiting for the day when it will be made new and the world will be made like the Garden of Eden in paradise. And notice that it happens through our death and our rebirth. Again, pointing to the birth pangs of verse 22. It's a new beginning. Verse 30 says that the church, the word is literally ecclesia, called out ones. Those who have been called out of the world of hopelessness. Keep in mind the hopelessness that God allowed the world to fall into. He calls us out. He calls the world out of this situation through Christ. He wants the world to be redeemed. He wants us to be redeemed into His image. And it's often in the midst of our experiences and the darkness that we face that should lead us to hope. It's God's plan. 
And it's also his plan that once we come out of the world, so to speak, in order to move into his presence and into a faith in him, it says he justifies us, he vindicates us, he defends us, he acquits us of the sins that we face and the sins that we often go back to. But not only that, it says he glorifies us. It says that he's, he gives us honor, like the firstborn Jesus, who was subjected to punishment and ridicule and pain and suffering, who died and rose and was given the highest place in heaven because of who he was and what he did. That's the same fate for the believer. Yes, we are in the still the midst of our ministry, in the midst of our experiences on earth, but one day we will be justified when it matters. We will be glorified when we rise from the dead in the same hope and the same experience of Christ himself. That's your purpose. That's your hope as the believer. In the midst of panic, in the midst of, of uncertainty, in the midst of maybe a lost job or a lost loved one, when there doesn't seem to be much hope, that the world is empty, but the creation knows different. How come we don't know that? The world knows. Verse 31 says, God is for you. No one can take what God has given. No one can stand against him. If there is a purpose and God is working through everything, what is the problem, Paul says? If everything has been set in place already, what's the problem? The problems are perspective. The problem is that I often don't see it this way. I often only see what's happening in front of me right now. And I know that that's really true for me, even in this week. Being stuck in the house and maybe being isolated and not being able to go outside or do the things that often give me freedom or a sense of life or fulfillment. Verse 32 says Jesus was not spared. So you could be. Jesus went through this so you won't have to. Jesus lived a life that was pleasing to God because we can't. So if Jesus received all these things, so shall we. You see, the plan is, has already happened. We don't see it yet because that's, that's what our hope is. Our hope is that this will come true. We don't see it yet in our life, but we can see it in someone else's life. We can look at the Gospels and see that this is the trajectory of Jesus' life. That Jesus, in the midst of his service, in the midst of his hope, he experienced hard trials, trials that he didn't want to face. And yet God ministered to him in the midst of those things. And through those circumstances, he was able to do the greatest thing that anyone has ever done. And that is to live a life that's honoring to God and to live a sacrificial life for the sake of others. As you face uncertain times, as you look to your life and you think maybe just everything seems to be futile or lacking purpose, as you maybe feel like you're passively waiting for things to end so your life can get back together and back on track, or maybe you're dealing with the pain of, of a lost one or separation from those you care about, notice that for the believer, it's never just a passive waiting 
but that you can be active. You can be actively trusting in God. You can actively be praying and encouraging others. You can be actively telling yourself that that this is not what the world was meant to be and that we are moving towards something that's glorious, that you've been called out, that your hope saves you, that you've been justified and you have a glory that's beyond imagination that's coming. And in the midst of your problems now, in the midst of your waiting now, that the Spirit is inside you and He knows you better than you and He knows God better than you. And He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. He's giving us the power of God in our life now because He is doing for you what has been done in Christ in the midst of His ministry. That's our hope. May that be our perspective today in this very hour maybe sitting in the house wondering what was going to ha- what's going to happen in the news i pray that we trust that we trust that the world isn't futile and that ultimately that our understanding of christ leads us to hope our purpose that leads us to what god would have for us which is ultimately his will and his good for us amen god we thank you that we have this hope. And I pray that we would continue to trust in this hope that we have in Christ. That like the creation that groans for a new creation, a new world, a return to Eden, that we too would have that perspective. That we wouldn't lose hope that we would have a peace and assurance that what you say is true and that you're with us and your power is moving inside of us in our lives, for our good and for the good of others. We pray that you would bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.